This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today joined by Dave Prentice, Sam Carroll and Gav Buckland as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. And there were plenty inside the space of 120 minutes on Goodison on Wednesday, enough to fill a podcast on its own. But we will, of course, talk about other things as well as that Spurs FA Cup tie. But that will be the starting point. We'll go on to look ahead to this weekend's game with Fulham. Of course, and all the news from Carlo Ancelotti's press conference and, of course, the cup draw itself for the quarterfinals. Um, but we'll start with Wednesday night. Uh, Preno, um, when was the last time you watched an Everton game <laughs> as chaotic as astonishing is as remarkable as that one wow it's it's, it's probably the greatest game i've never seen uh, or wasn't <laughs> physically at uh, it was a strange one really because we were so poor for like 20 minutes 25 minutes and i suddenly found ourselves 3-1 up and like where did that come from you're absolutely you know bouncing and then a ridiculous goal on a stroke of half time to consider it made you so angry and then the second half, I felt exhausted at the end of it because it was so tense and it was such a strange one. Normally, you watch a game like that and you, you end it with a sense of exhilaration. Um, like, for example, the 3-3 draw, the derby match of 3-3 draw, which is probably the greatest derby I've seen. That was, like, incredible. I felt more after that game uh, on Wednesday night than maybe I did after the famous 4-4 draw, which was full of mistakes and you're a bit tense and you don't know quite how it's going to go. So it was a really, really strange sensation at the end of it. Once the game's finished and you know you can't possibly give another goal away from a corner, you're absolutely, you know, sort of buzzing then and that sense of relief and exhilaration can, you know, sort of wash over you. But to answer the question, wow, well, we haven't won a game 5-4 since the championship season in uh, 1984, I do believe. Gavin will correct me if I'm wrong there. Um and I didn't see that one because that was away at Watford. I didn't actually go to that game. So it, it's remarkable to have a cup tie, you know, with nine goals like that. Um, it, it's one of the best I've seen without actually physically having been there for a long, 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 long time. You know, memorable for all the right reasons, all the wrong reasons. It, it's just a unique game. Uh, I suppose the bottom line is I'm just absolutely thrilled that we won because it overcomes that that Everton that mentality that everyone thinks, oh, here we go, you know, so we're 3-1 or, you know, we get it back to 3-3. This is Everton, this is Everton that. That's all being blown away now by Carlo. Carlo is once again, and we've said it before in these in these podcasts, he's imbuing Everton with this sense of ambition and this sense of confidence that Everton Football Club used to have, uh, you know, back when we were a successful football team. And so, all right, you've conceded two goals, you've got it back to 3-3. Doesn't mean it's all going to go wrong go again, dig again, show character. And they did. So lots and lots of strange uh, you know, sort of sensations going through my head after that. Bottom line is, though, a sense of relief and a sense of fulfilment, really, that you know we didn't you know, give up when the going got tough. And Carlo produced a side that had the guts and the character to see it through in the end. So long answer. I'm sorry, because it was a very, very long night. But yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Yes, it was a long night. Gavin, is, is Preno's uh, is history correct? Correct. There is the last five-four game. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it was only our fourth one ever. Um, and I'm a big fan of Preno. Mentioned the mid eighties twice in his opening gambits on the podcast. By the way, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I the Watford game was eighty-four, eighty-five. Bit of a yeah. I mean, if you want my comments on the game. Mm. 
it was a bit like the Derby, wasn't it? The first half where Liverpool started off really well, didn't he? In the Derby for the first 10 minutes, pulverized us, and we gradually got into the game. Uh, and the same thing on 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 Wednesday. I, 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 I'm a bit, I really enjoyed the game, you know, like everybody else, and it was end to end stuff. Just wondering whether the, the, the artificial nature of football at the moment, because there's no crowds, some of the other stuff that's going on, means that is it diff- can, can you compare games at the moment to games in the past? Are you looking at two different things? Because there's no crowds, because, well, it's one off FA Cup games. I know, like, the, the, the re- replays you know, in the past. Just wondering, it's a bit. More and more think about this season, Phil. The more and more think about how it's very difficult to judge how good a job people are doing or not doing, mm. because it's uh, it's all artificial. How good the games, how bad the games, very very difficult for me to judge. What I would say, I take on board Carlo, what Carlo's doing, uh, definitely. But when we're judging individual players and stuff, playing well, playing badly. Is that, is that a long-term thing or is it just purely because what's going on at the moment? So I'd be very wary on comparing this game to games that I've seen in the past purely because no crowd there. Mm. Uh, but but Sam, as but... Yeah, I think, yeah, that's, that's it for me. I know what I was going to say and that was it. Fantastic yeah. game, but I wouldn't necessarily judge it about games I've seen in the past. Mm. Um, but Sam, Sam, just taking on Gav's point about no fans, can you can you imagine what it would have been like mm. in, front, in the Gladys when Bernard scored, if we'd had best part of 40,000 people in the stadium? Yeah, I think we've we've all been there for a few, haven't we? No, no and Arloch, uh, if there was fans in there, we probably would have lost 5-4, wouldn't we? Bernard probably would have been <laughs> down over the bar and, and it would have been them scoring. But, um, no, I think that is one. I think it was, there's obviously been a few occasions under Ancelotti. And I think now, you know, that we have players like James and Alan, who, you know, they're not exactly 21, 22. There's going to be a limited time uh, that we can all see them and, and we're all missing out on that, which is sad. But, uh, you know, I've, I've always said that most of my best memories growing up were, you know, and it wasn't just the famous ones like, you know, Ferguson against United or Fiorentina and Lukaku against Chelsea. You know, there was Osman last minute against Portsmouth and Lee Carsley against Birmingham. And I always remember celebrating them with me, with me dad and stuff in, in the Gladys Street and, they're always ones that you look back on. So, you know, for, for a generation of young Everton, well, any age Evertonians, you know, can, can can still go for it as as Preno and Gav in their 70s can attest to as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> we've all missed out, haven't we? And it, it would have been boss, but I think it's small, small victories at this time. You know, now that the vaccine yeah. is getting rolled out and stuff, that a win getting into the quarterfinal uh, and that boss moment, and Preno said exactly what I was going to say, that, once it went to four four, I was just sat there, just saying, "Sound, we've lost. We're out." It was it was a fun game, but we're out. And Carlo and, and the team are slowly changing that mentality and a, and a nice little quirk. I think you wrote in in your verdict, Phil, after the game that you know if everything would have went to plan, Bernard would have been having a nice sleep in 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 bed <laughs> in, in the UAE, but instead he scored the winner. And I think that again, that's just something that fell in Everton's favour that just worked out a, a, in our way. Um, and we're going to need a few more of them till, till the end of the season if we're to win a cup or qualify for Europe. But yeah, it was a, it was a great moment, great night, and hopefully in the next twelve months, fans will be back in there to be uh, falling down five or six rows when a goal like that goes in. 
Mm. Preno, Sam's sort of alluding there to, to the omens that came out of of, yeah. of of Wednesday night, and obviously first time played Spurs in the FA Cup since '95, and you know, yeah. and just things like Bernard not meant to have been here and, and scoring winners. I mean, how much how much do you as you know, is, does the Evertonian in you subscribe to, to, you know, maybe maybe our name is on the cup. Every, everything considered, even, <laughs> even with the draw that we were given um, last yeah. night, all things considered. I'm a big believer and I'm quite superstitious when it comes to that. And it goes back to 1995 when in the car park at Bristol City, I found a pound on the floor, picked it up and said, so I think it was worth it, find a pound and pick it up this year, we'll win the cup. And, you know, little things like that you remember. And I don't know why. And it's always in hindsight. I probably did that 20 times, and that was the only time we won the <laughs> cup. But, you know, you, you remember them. And, you know, sometimes when you have a match like that, where, you know, we could have been 3 or 4 nil down, let, let's face it, and uh, you somehow come back and win. And you think that, well, maybe, maybe it could be. And then you get a draw like that the following night that absolutely flattens everybody. But I've seen a comment today, uh, literally 20 minutes ago uh, on, on Twitter, where a 66-year-old Everson Faz fan said, I'm 66 years old. My first ever cup final was in 1966. And we beat Sheffield Wednesday, who, of course, we've beaten in the cup already this season. That year, we beat Manchester City in the quarterfinals. We beat Manchester United in the semifinals. It's happening again. And so you see that and you think, well, yeah, you know, who knows? I mean, these superstitions only ever work out at the end when you've won the cup. You can look back then and you think, all oh, right. You know, because uh, in 1995, no one actually put any significance to the fact that we beat the Rams, we beat the uh, the Robins, we beat the Canaries, and then we beat the Magpies. <laughs> and everyone's desperately looking for some kind of, you know, sort of animal link with Spurs. And yes, they've got a cockerel on their on their badge. Uh, so, you know, it's only in hindsight those things tend to happen. But, you know, don't be too down on the fact that we're playing Manchester City. Yes, it's very, very tough. And as Gavin so articulately said in a pod last week, You've got to beat at least one, maybe two of the really big guns if you're going to win a trophy nowadays. Yeah. You don't get free hits like Liverpool did in 1992 when they beat championship sides all the way through to winning the FA Cup. Uh, nowadays, <laughs> nowadays, you've got, including the final, nowadays you've got to beat um, you know, sort of one of the big guns. So it's going to have to happen sometime. And maybe the quarterfinal is a good time to face a team like City, given they've got Champions League commitments now. They'll be playing Borussia Mönchengladbach three or four days beforehand. Who knows what country that's going to be in, given the way things are looking at the moment. So, yeah, it's tough. Of course it's tough. But you're going to have to beat them sometime. So, you know, so why not now? So, you know, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm clinging to all these little nuggets of superstition. And, uh, yeah, I am superstitious. Gav, you're the king at delivering those sort of lines about in X year we beat X, Y and Z. And so this could be... No. Are you feeling similarly superstitious with the omens or, or how are you feeling about the quarterfinal? And, and I don't know. Them? I think, I know where Penno's come from on this. I think there's, there's always, when you look back, I mean, probably be proved wrong now after the quarterfinal, yeah. there's always a certain time in the cup run where you think this is our year. You know, like this, we just think, oh, I remember, I remember in the, 95, yeah, that Bristol City game, I think in 84, I think um, we showed for your own fifth round, you know, you just played really well. And I was thinking that year 3 1 before half time, I've not like not played that great the first half and winning 3 1. You're thinking this has to be high year, this then Spurs score, and you're thinking, oh, well, maybe not. Um, yeah, yeah I, I get that, I get what, what kind of you know, it goes back to what I was what I said at the start is that. 
in some respects, it's hard to be playing Man City in an artificial environment, maybe. They say like they've got all sorts of travelling to do and all that. To who knows, God knows where. And maybe it's a, a good time to play them. I'd certainly rather play them now at Goodison than, than a final. You know, they've got a good record, um, haven't they, under Pep? Uh, but yeah, I, I, I had that moment against Spurs actually. You know, when we went into three one, thought this is our year. This we've been awful, not awful, but we haven't played well. All of a sudden, we're in three one. You know, and then we could as you can see. But yeah, it was a, uh, you know, I mean, safe. I know it's not just one of the big so-called big boys you got to win. I think it's probably two or probably three you got to. Uh, to beat nowadays, a bit like Moyes, wasn't it in two thousand and nine? What was it? Yeah, the tough, statistically the toughest cup run any manager ever had to the cup final, didn't he? Correct. Yeah. 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 So it's 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 it, 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 it's coming. It's coming like that season, isn't it? We're looking looking at two thousand and nine mm. uh, for the, a good comparison. Yeah. Um, where Moyes had that, you know, played four of the top five, didn't he? Something like that, um, and we could end up doing the same, couldn't we? And I, th- and I think, understandably, what what was perhaps lost, for, certainly for me at the time on Wednesday, in the madness was it. It was actually the second time we've had to we've needed extra time in the competition already, having made heavy weather of of Rotherham. Um, you know, and, it, and you do wonder, don't you, those things where you're getting through, but not convincingly. It hasn't been any other than the Sheffield Wednesday game, which was pretty routine. It's been two hundred and twenty minute affairs where we've really had to dig in just to get through to the quarterfinals, but. Um, and I suppose the other thing as well, and I don't know if anybody agrees, Sam, I don't know if you'd agree with this, you know, we played City twice in the 15-16 season in Cups in semi-finals, and we ultimately were undone because they were two-legged affairs, weren't they? But this is going to be a one-off game. Do, are, you more, you know, are you more confident because it's going to be a one-hit? You know, there's not going to be a chance for City to redeem themselves, so to speak, or... Well, we, we also got cheated out of the 15-16 as well, didn't we? Because the ball, the ball was about six foot over the line from Sterling. So I'll always hold that grudge as well. Um, to be honest, I didn't know that it was, it was one leg. You've just, you've just informed me of something completely new. So, you, oh, no, sorry. No, I did. Yeah, completely lying to you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because obviously, you know, <laughs> unlike, what I'm saying is unlike... Unlike in, in the League Cup of year gone by or, or yeah. whatever, you know, we, we would have to have yeah. played City. Yeah, sorry. You know, we've played yeah. City twice, haven't we? Because we're quarterfinals, one hit. Yeah, you, you you tricked me there a little bit, Phil, but I'll I'll, I'll let it slide. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, t- I, I was talking to uh, Chris Beasley about it before, actually, and, and now that the dust is... All right, if, if you could have picked a draw, no one would have picked City, but now that the dust has settled on it, look at the teams who were left in. You've, you've, got, to beat, you've got to beat one, or unless we get either the Bournemouth or Southampton one, if we qualify for the semi-final, you're going to have to beat at least two teams who, you know, in, in terms of standing in the table, are probably going to be above us at that point in time. And I'd 100% rather, whether Goodison's full or not, I'd rather play City on our on our turf um, than, than playing them at Wembley because they're, they're used to that kind of big game stadium, big game kind of pressure around it, whereas we're not. You know, it would probably suit us more to play the likes of a a Bournemouth or a Southampton, possibly even a Leicester at Wembley than it would City. So um, it, it, it's annoying that, as Gav was saying there, when you're 3-1 up or when Bernard scores, you do start thinking, is this our year? 
Um, but you know, Man United and Chelsea have got each other, so there's another you know decent team that's going out. If, if we beat City, we we probably would be potentially the favourites because other teams then would have to start. You know, Leicester are going to have finishing in the top four on their minds. You know, you remember last season when they kind of stunk the gaff out after the Premier League restart and slipped out of the top four. Yeah, uh, you know, United could have Europe on on the minds and things like that. So it it would suit us. I. I I think if we win this game, we would we would be really really uh, hot favourites to win it, just because what what we'd have to concentrate on, you know, we could put a lot of eggs into our FA Cup basket. So now now that dust has settled, one leg, we've got ninety minutes, or as we like doing, one hundred and twenty minutes and penalties to <laughs> get ourselves through. So it, it is just a shame, but as we spoke about earlier, that. I, 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 I imagine how good it'd be if we could have had forty thousand fans in there. The atmosphere. Would have been something else, wouldn't it? Um, but hopefully the lads can give us all another good night from home. Prano, would you uh, would you have trusted yourself to be as um, I was going to say calm, but nonchalant seems more more appropriate kind of uh, description of Carlo's reaction to Bernard's winner. I mean, I would you have? <laughs> I, I can't even be that laid back in the press box <laughs> where you're supposed to show <laughs> professional reserve and calm. I've uh, been sold off many times for, uh, I think, punched James Pierce a couple of times once during the derby match. So. That, was nothing, that was nothing to do with the goal. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. And, uh, so, no, I mean, you, you grow up you know, watching football and you have an enthusiasm and a passion for it and, and you can't but fail to you know, react that way, which is why you know, so we are observers and why you know, so we are not coaches. And I've seen so many managers, you know, sort of do that. Um, you know, it, it's, it's strange. I don't know how they do it. Walter Smith, I remember speaking to him many times uh, about, you know, football matches. And he actually telling me he, he can't physically sit and enjoy a football match anymore because he's constantly analysing and thinking about what's happening in games. And he watches it in a different kind of way. And uh, Carlo's exactly the same. Um, whether it's... Uh, a continental thing, I don't know, because Rafa Benitez was almost, you know, so famous or like that. The only Englishman I can ever think of who behaves like that was Sir Alf Ramsey at the World Cup. <laughs> Everybody else is going like mad, and he's just sat there stroking his chin on the uh, on, on the bench. So it, it's become an iconic moment, and uh, you know, we're all going to be drinking tea from now on. We're all going to be blowing on it. That's <laughs> what every uh, before we sip it. And it was, it was great. It was really, really, you know, so iconic moments. And it just underlines, you know, the nature of the coach he is. He doesn't get too up and he doesn't get too down. And uh, another Emerson manager told me about that, Joe Royal, and he was the same. You know, so Joe, you know, was always beaming on the touchline, but he didn't lose himself with like reckless abandon, like like Duncan does, or you know, so even Roberto Martinez or other managers, you know, so have done. Uh, he was always quite reserved, and to me, that indicates a manager whose mind is wearing all the time. I was always thinking about things. And it's almost like, you know, he nodded, you know, shortly afterwards, if, yeah, you know, I meant that. You know, that I brought Bernard on just for the moments. And uh, it, it's great. I mean, it's just another part of Carlo's charm, I think. You know, so that we all, we all love the guy for the results that he's bringing to the football club, but also for little moments like that. His, his official explanation for the celeb- well non-celebration was I was drinking a tea because it was because fr- I was freezing after the ninety minutes I couldn't talk because I was cold. <laughs> I didn't celebrate. I had a cup of tea in my hand and I didn't know if I was if it was allowed because there was a check on the side. So uh, that was the official explanation. But of course, none of us would uh, would put it past him just because uh, he is that way inclined, isn't he? Um, Gav, just going back to, to, to the parts of the action, obviously. Five goals. One was a penalty. Four from open play. Which was the best assist? Oh wow! I don't know, Ali. Uh, 
the Gilfies, I think, for Bernard, haven't you got to go with that? Well, that was said before, I've nine many, many times on the part of play at the moment, Sigurdsson, isn't he? Yes. And uh, you know, he's not going to run a game for you. He's probably not going to be in and around the box, you know, in and around the play. He's not going to be receiving the ball every 10 seconds and moving it on. So on the pitch for specific reasons, for specific moments. And you saw that, I think, for the uh, the Bernard's goal, didn't you? I think, yeah. to, to, to be fair, and that, that'd, be, that'd be my one. And a good finish by Bernard. I, I'm not having a great week watching Everton. Uh, obviously, after last Saturday's shambles and a couple of things went on on there. I put out on, on Twitter, yeah. it's taken me. You know, Sammy didn't realise that semi finals uh, sorry, it was one game in the FA Cup this year. I never realised until Wednesday that they tossed again for extra time for the ends. And yeah. uh, I never did. I put it out on Twitter. I never got me, me inbox was like, you know, <laughs> full. People don't you know the, the, the uh, toss for ends again? I didn't realise. Yeah, uh, well, I'd say, yeah, Sigurdsson uh, for, for Bernard. But I'd say Bernard, I, I said in the last WhatsApp group, you know, I'm not sure about Bernard, shall we say. For this game and do me wrong, it's, isn't it? You well, know, Plano, Plano go, go, going back to Plano's point, you know, I think people have liked a little bit of the old Dan Daniel Amacachi um, performance against Spurs in '95. Yeah, I, I think it's, that was that was tremendous and a, a really good finish by Bernard as well with, with his wrong foot. Um, that, that was a tremendous goal. Uh, you know, fittingly a goal to win a, a great game. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Sam, is this going to be the start of Richarlison's season? I said it about three weeks ago, and he, as, as T. Borry Offray's stunk the gaff out on a few occasions since. But <laughs> is, is is this the start now, belatedly, of, of Richarlison rediscovering top form and, and helping us in the final sort of 17, 18, or however many games we have left? I, I hope so, just because it was starting. I think we, you know, it was a couple of games, um, and everyone was just kind of like, you know, it'll come, it'll come. He'll be fine. Then it was three or four games, and then you know it did end up being quite a long spell where he looked didn't just look out of sorts. Did he? he just looked constantly fuming on everything? You know whether he done good things or bad things. He was he was just fuming. It was weird. Um, so to put him to get his two goals and, and again just show what a match winner he is. I think it was quite similar when we went to the game at Leicester, Phil, which was probably his last you know game where he had you know real influence certainly on the front foot because it, I, I still maintain that even when he's playing badly. I think Ancelotti just plays him because he knows he'll he'll run until the cows come home, won't he? Um, but again, at Leicester, it wasn't exactly, um, you know, until that moment, he'd kind of been in the round and he just picks the ball up and scores. And, you know, both of his goals were quite similar to that on Spur- against Spurs, um, where he just shows, you know, what, what a talent he is and how good a player he can be. So Everton, when Richarlison are playing... Uh, when Richardson's playing well, they're just a totally different team, I think, especially on the front foot. Um, and hopefully there might be a little silver line. And, you know, if there's anyone to be playing when Dominic Calvert-Lewin has, has kind of twinged his hamstring a little bit, then it's probably going to be a team in the bottom three at home. Let's hope that we can get the win there, keep the pressure on. Maybe Dom, you know, from what Carlo's saying, it's more of a precautionary thing. Get Gets Dom a little rest. And I think that if, if he's fired on all cylinders and Richarlison's fired on all cylinders and James is as well, then we are just a totally different proposition. So, you know, I think we've all kind of um, conceded that, that there's a few, there's an Everton future where 
someone is going to come in and bid 100 million for Richarlison or, or possibly even more one day. And we would have to hold our hands up and, and let him go if we weren't quite, uh, you know, in the Champions League places or competing for titles at that point. Um, but hopefully now until the end of the season, he, he starts showing that he is that kind of player because it's it's sad when he doesn't because he's he's too good to be sulking and he's too good to be uh, to be out of form, really. So another couple of goals against Fulham would do me. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Sam neatly segues onto the next part of the pod where we, we talk about Fulham and we talk about, of course, that there's no Calvert-Lewin, as Sam says, Carlo sounding like he's just resting him for a, a precautionary reasons and that he will be fit to face City. So what does Carlo do? Does he go with Richarlison as the number nine and, and build a front three you know, around him with the returning Rodriguez and, and maybe Iwobi or whoever? Or do we give a, a first start to Josh King? Uh, no, we, we do both. Um, listening to what Carlo said before, I mean, he covered all bases. You know, he said that, yeah, Josh King can play that central role, but you can also play winger, I think he called it. So I just think Richarlison looked so much more hungry and comfortable down the middle. You know, he obviously loves that role. You know, so he, he loves you know, being the centre of attention and leading the line. And King can play in the wider positions. So, you know, I'd be inclined to move Richarlison into the middle, start with Josh King on the left and Hammers on the right. Um, you know, we do need to mix things up a bit. Um, Iwobi, I know he gets, you know, it's all a, a tough time, but the most constructive thing he did that night was post that picture on Instagram of the uh, celebrations. He just he frustrates <laughs> Um, You know, when you want to see, what was it the commentators said? And, oh, you know, Iwobi can't quite deliver the cross. And how many times do you hear that? Mm. So, you know, we, we need to make changes because the players will have given so much on Wednesday, you know, so much intensity and so much effort. We've got to freshen it up as much as we possibly can. Uh, so it, it's, you know, reassuring to hear that Gomez will be a fit, of, fit and available, you know, as will Hamas Rodriguez. And, you know, maybe we do need to, you know, sort of take Dominic out just for a bit, just to, to give him a rest. So we've got to try and freshen it up as much as we can. But to be as dangerous as we can be, I'd like to see that front three that I've mentioned starting. I mean, sometimes you have teams that you know you always routinely do well against and Tottenham were never one of those teams until this season hopefully that's beginning to change a little bit now I mean West Ham were always a team that we always did well against obviously that's turned on its head this year but you know Fulham historically at Goodison have been a team that we always beat always away from home we never did you know we couldn't win at Craven Cottage uh, to save our lives until Leon Osmond scored that late double you know so last match of the season a few years back uh, but since then, you know, so Fulham tends to be one of those fixtures that we've done okay against. I know we haven't played them that recently because of their, uh, you know, sell, spell in the second tier. So I'm just kind of hoping, you know, superstition again, you know, so we normally do quite well against Fulham and hopefully that will continue because despite their position in the table, they're a decent side. They've improved massively over the last few months and they've gone very, very close a number of times against some decent teams. So it's going to be tough. We're going to need to be absolutely at it. We can't start as slowly as we started on Wednesday. We've got to start better. Uh, so to that end, hopefully, with you know a slightly freshened line, as fresh as we can make it, given how small our squad is at the moment, we, we can you know so sort of get a result. So it's important because let's face it, you know Wednesday is going to be even tougher. So you know we need to get a win. You know we can't let the fact that we've had a really great cup result on Wednesday impact upon Sunday's game. We've got to get a result. And we've got to win it. Mm. Gav. You know, as as Prano rightly mentions and, and and brings up there, you know, 120 minutes on Wednesday. Yes, we've got to, the game isn't until Sunday, but there will be tired legs. Carlo limited with how much he can refresh it. Can he even afford to think about giving 
somebody like Decore arrest. Decore just hasn't stopped running all season. He's just been phenomenal, hasn't he? Can he even yeah. contemplate giving a player of of that importance a rest with the game that comes up uh, on Wednesday? Yeah, I get Josh King. By the way, I play Josh King. Um, I think because I think he needs minutes on the pitch, doesn't he? Because he's going to get minutes on the pitch between now and the end of the season, so it makes sense to start him. Um, does the Corey ever stop running? Is he the type of player who needs to play games? You get players like that, don't you? Who needs to play games? I don't know. That's a conversation. I'm not. That's a conversation between the manager and the player, isn't it? What do you think? I, I would imagine. Just think of it. Let, let, Corey. Let me... what, let me spin it on its head then. You know, if, if yeah. Carlo's mind, if Carlo's minded to st- to sort of play similar formations in the last couple of games, can he afford to break up Decore and Davis, who have played very well? No, I'm just well, what options. If you play four three three, I think I think the easiest way of looking at this fellas is to look at the formation. If you play four three three. Bob Penna was saying seems reasonable. The Charleston, Rodriguez. King, you play three in the middle. At the moment, that would have to be Decore, Gomez, Davis, wouldn't it? Yes. And we're not going to drop Tom. You know, never thought. You know, and it's a measure of Tom's progress that, like, you know, sometimes when Tom's being dropped in the past, people said, well, that's a good move. But actually, if you drop Tom on Sunday, there'd probably be a revolt, wouldn't there, at the moment? <laughs> which is credit to Tom, which, which yes. shows you how things can change quite quickly. So you're not going to drop Tom. You'll probably want Andre on the pitch for minutes as well, because obviously he's missing. So you then, if you if you don't play the corner, you're going to play four two three one on which brings a Wolby back into the equation. I would imagine maybe with Rodriguez as a ten. Um, so that's the way you could do it. Maybe if you're playing Fulham at home, that could be the right right way of playing. Um, yeah, I, I get you don't. That, as I say, that's a. You don't have players field here and you know, you don't lose carry niggles and stuff because that was like a punishing 120 minutes for a lot of players, wasn't it, on there? And you know, and Bernard, I suppose, is a selection. It's a, it's a selection option, maybe. Um, mm. But I don't know. But to call right, that's between Carl and the player. I'd rather, I'd rather keep him in because every time I see him, you know, I always think, why didn't we have you three years ago? <laughs> I think, I think, you know, I think I we tried. Think, I think we tried, didn't we? Yeah. You know, when you think the players you bought three years ago, and we, you know, you just think, why, why couldn't you have had you three years ago? Oh, and by the way, I don't know, I was going to say this later because Brennan mentioned it then. Everton Fulham, it, isn't it? It's the best run of home victories in a single fixture in football league history, isn't it? Oh, wow. Right. Is, it 20, is it 22 on the bounces or something like that? It's the oh, best right. in history at any level. Um, so, So, I think. I'd, if he wanted to play, I'd play him. I think he looks like the player who could probably do that by two games a week. He's had a little bit of a break recently as well, hasn't he? he yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know he didn't start yeah. against Rotherham, but we brought him on after an hour and he made a massive difference. And so, you know, he's not being absolutely flogged, you know, throughout the entire season. I know that's only a midweek game that he missed. Uh, but you just get the impression that he's one of those guys that, you know, could, could run all night. I mean, the, the commentator mentioned again on Wednesday, Tom Davis looks like the kind of man that could run all night. Um, but to me, Takori looks even more of an athlete than that. He just yeah. never seems to suffer at all. 
you know, there are some players that, you know, they do look like they're absolutely dead on their feet at times, Richarlison being one of them. And I'll never forget Cheng Tosin's demeanour at the last minute of that Rotherham game. Where it looked like he couldn't even, he couldn't even walk after the game. Um, but, you know, yeah. Takori looks like he could happily go for another, you know, sort of five or six mile warm down afterwards. So uh, I, I wouldn't yeah. have undue concern about playing him again. But the sports scientists will monitor, you know, his, his, his muscle tissue recovery and what have you and, you know, decide whether he's going to be able to play. My, my and, final and point on this, fellas, I think, sorry, sorry fellas, the final point is our first two choice midfielders on Sunday should be Davis and Gomez, definitely. And then the question about whether you want to play the corner, okay. based on what I've just been saying about, about keeping them. Um, Sam and, and the player we've not mentioned is the player who's, who's involved in more goals and more incidents than anybody on, on Wednesday, Sigurdsson. I mean, does, does, does Carlo have to keep him in the team or, or does rotation again, make way for, for sentiment in that respect and, and, and you know, this revolving sort of room of players in and out, in and out and, and, and Sigurdsson just have to just accept it? Well, we've got, we've got Bessage back in the squad now, haven't we, to, <laughs> give, him, to give him a little, little run out. Um, I don't know, Sigurdsson's a weird one, isn't he, who seemingly plays quite a lot of minutes and he's, you know, he's, what is he, is he 30, 31? 31, yeah, and uh, and seemingly kind of keep, keeps keeps going. I think he, he does have a good uh, a good natural fitness and st- stamina about him. So yeah, as Gav says, it is probably more down to the uh, the formation and 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 how he's going to kind of set that up. But I think it's uh, it's difficult to change at the moment. I think the, the kind of that three just do have to. I don't know. I think from from when the way you were speaking in the press conference, it looks like Gomez would come back in. Probably, I probably would go for Sigurdsson then. Yeah, I think because I just think if you take the Corey or Davis out, it is it is quite risky to to open up the midfield like that. So yeah, maybe maybe Sigurdsson would be the one more to to be set for the rest. But I, I, it's weird, isn't it? The impact that the Corey has made that I genuinely can't remember what this Everton had. How did we even stay up last season? With that <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, such, such a good impression from someone who, um, you know, again, there was questions, wasn't there, about, you know, he's the wrong age of 27, 28, I think, himself, coming from a relegated team. We tried to sign him before under Marco Silva, but he's just been phenomenal. And, and, and he's just been great in every single game he's played, uh, which has been really good to see. And, and I generally think that, you know, obviously Ancelotti is having a big effect on Tom Davies, as is David Ancelotti, as is Duncan Ferguson. But, you know, at the, at, at the same time, I do think that playing alongside the likes of Alan, uh, Decore, James is also improving them. There's no question about it. So, really happy with the balance we've got in midfield at the moment and, and really excited for Alan to come back as well. And I think that gives Carlo a real headache of, of where to fit them all in. Just for the interest of, of, of debate and discussion, um, Sam, do, do you think Michael Silver might still be in a job if we decided to Corey when he first arrived? Uh, no, no, probably not. Just, just seen too much, seen too much horror over those eighteen <laughs> months or so. The, 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 I think we were at the one at Millwall. I always remember that. The, oh, the one wow, at yeah. Anfield was. Was just absolutely sickening as well, wasn't it? That 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 team performance. So probably not, but I do think it would have changed a lot. I think even Ancelotti himself showed that. You know, some of the I specifically remember the Wolves game away 
and Bournemouth at home on the last day of the season that we potentially could have just went without the midfield and it wouldn't have made a difference. It, it was just a mixture of, you know, not the right people, people just horribly out of form. You know, Tom Davies and Andre Gomez in the last four or five weeks have just looked... I generally don't think they look like the same player. It's 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 scary how much they've they've changed recently. Um, you know, Morgan Schneiderlin was there for a little was getting game time and it, it wasn't great. So I think it might have set everything back a few months if we would have got to Corey, maybe we would have got more time, maybe we would have won a few more matches, but fate works the way it does. We had a really specific window, didn't we, of Satin Silver and Ancelotti losing his job at Napoli, which has worked out great for us. So I think in some ways I'm I'm glad we didn't sign the Corey when uh, when we first tried to. Okay, uh, okay. The final part of today's pod, of course, is the predictions: uh, Everson versus Fulham Sunday night at Goodison. Of course, rearranged um, because of the cup game. Um, Preno, how do you see it going? Um, hopefully, that the the freshened starting eleven that we're, you know we're anticipating and that we want to see. Will have enough quality. You look at the, you know, the way we played at Craven Cottage, and you know, we just had so much quality for them. You know, so much more quality than they had, and should have won probably a lot more comfortably than we actually did in the end. And I would hope that would be brought to bear again on Sunday night, in this most unpredictable of Premier League seasons. Uh, I'm going to go for quite a predictable result. I think it'll be nothing like Wednesday. It'll be a tighter game again. Uh, we might have to be a little bit patient. But I think we'll see it through. We'll win 2-0. Um, and we may even see a debut goal for Josh King. Gav, uh, same to you. What, what do you think uh, will happen on Sunday? Yeah, I, I've got a funny feeling, you know, we've got to win, haven't we? I haven't quoted that stat about the record, 23, <laughs> whatever it is. Consider, you, know, you know, when you talk about omens, it works the other way sometimes, doesn't it? You know, uh, yeah, I think, we, I think we've got enough there, haven't we, really? I think you suspect morale's quite good in the team at the moment, which is always a big thing, isn't it, for me? Especially at the moment where it's obviously difficult times for everybody. I think if you've got a strong dressing room where people are feeling positive, I think that can make an enormous difference in the current environment to playing football. And I think that's probably carrying us, carrying us forward, I think, probably at the moment just as much. Um, and so after I've got to say Fulham are going to win after all that aren't I but uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I regulation 2-0 two, two uh, for me I, I, probably like a lot of the male population of, of well urban fans anyway 7 o'clock on Valentine's night is not exactly you know prerequisite you know a settled, uh, a settled day shall we say there's various negotiations that have to go out on in our house before I can watch it on a <laughs> On, on Sunday, you know, but uh, seriously, two uh, 0 no two problem. Nil. And uh, yeah. yeah, just that, just had a quick check because both you and Preno have gone for two 0 We've only ever won two 0 in the league once under Carlo. Right, Leicester City this season. I, I'm, so, I, yeah, I was just looking at Fulham's results there as well, and I think they've only won one Premier League game all season. That was against West Brom uh, way back in the beginning of November. But all the results since then, okay, they've lost a lot, but they've been really tight. I mean, nil-nil West Ham, nil-two Leicester. That's the last time they lost. Two-two West Brom, nil-nil Fulham. You know, so Burnley battered them. So yeah, I mean, two-nil sounds sounds right. But yeah, Sam's coming up. So who knows what we're going to get from from this one? 
Go on, Sam. <laughs> well, actually, do one of Six the first, one of the first ever things I had to do when I was on work experience at the Echo was Preno got me to do this like, is it on TV type piece, you know, to, to find out what channel it was on. And there was a bit in it where it was like, what, what I'd put my money on. And I said, Josh King to score the first goal for Bournemouth, but Nias to score the winner. And it was the time when he came on under under Cumin and scored two and scored the winner. So I got that wow. completely spot on, which then directly feeds into this, doesn't it? Because I think we're going to win 4-1, Josh King to score the first goal. Wow. Big win. In the yeah. Hair first. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 Sam, Nias going to score as well then? <laughs> to, to well, carry that through to a logical conclusion. Okay. I think I think it's time to get him back. Now the Calvert Lewin. I, I think it is. Well, yeah, yeah, on a short term deal. No, he's a free agent, so it costs nothing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'd rather see Sam um, up there than him on the ass. I'm not quite as confident as Sam, but I think we'll score two. But I, I just think at the moment we may well concede. Uh, there was some. Um, Ten, 10 goals conceded in the last four games now. Yeah. So some things for Carlo yeah. to, to rectify, but I, th- I think we'll, we'll still win anyway. Absolutely. Great stuff, chaps. Thank you very much for your company. Thank you very much for listening. Of course, you can keep uh, up to date on all of the uh, action, reaction, opinion and analysis from Gullison Park on Sunday night. Myself and Adam Jones will be there. And of course, keep with the echo across the weekend for all the best preview stuff. But you've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.